Well, if you have your Bible with you this evening, please turn with me to Psalm 7. Psalm 7. This evening, we will be wrapping up Psalm 7 as we consider verses 9 through 17. Verses 9 through 17. Join me once again in prayer as we ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of his most holy word. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, Lord, this is your spoken word to us in the pages of Scripture. O Lord, we we praise you for the word that you have given us. These are the exact words, the wonderful truths, the wonderful words of life that we now consider We pray, O Lord, that you would show us our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would teach us wonderful things from these verses, and that we would praise you for them. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Psalm 7, beginning in verse 9, hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares himself for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head. And his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Amen. Amen. Thus far the reading of his holy word and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, as David sang and prayed this psalm with great passion to God. He did so with both confidence and humility. We considered last week how he prayed with vigor as he desired to be relieved of his present distress. David desired to be vindicated by God, didn't he, in light of the slanderous accusations raised against him. He knew that if God wasn't on his side, his life would soon and justly come to an end. And yet David trusted God to carry out his promises. David knew that Cush, whether that be Saul or one of his commanders or one of his men, he knew that Cush was out to get him. And without a deliverer, David knew that they would be successful in their endeavor. He knew that they would rend and destroy him like lions, David said. And as David called out to God for deliverance, considering the temporal wrath of his earthly enemies, 
It's also good and right for us to consider and praise God for the great deliverance that we have through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, considering the salvation that we have in him from his own eternal wrath that is to come. Remember that we are saved by God, from God. We are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ and spared from the wrath of the eternal God. Another part of David's cry was expressed in great humility as David knew his own weaknesses and laid himself before the Lord, calling upon him to examine David and to make a divine verdict as to whether David was guilty of the accusations that Cush had raised. He asked, am I guilty, Lord? Do I have filthy hands? Bring the verdict and the just sentence if I am. Remember how David prayed that if what they claimed was true, if he had blind spots and he couldn't see it, if if what they uh, claimed was true, he prayed that God would remove the restraints, remove the surrounding shield that he had around him, and let them wipe David out. Let them pursue and overtake me, he said. Let them trample me, was his request. And yet being confident of his innocence, David beseeched God to rise up in righteous anger against his enemy's rage. He desired to be vindicated and welcomed God's verdict on his own case against Saul. And he goes on in our text tonight to proclaim the Lord who tests minds, and hearts. We see in verse 9 and 10. We also see that God is the just judge in verses 11 through 16, as well as praising God according to his righteousness is exactly what David did in concluding this psalm in verse 17. Wonderful words. Let's begin in verse 9a as he begins to teach us and to talk about the God who tests hearts and minds. David says in 9a, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. Now, my friends, as we consider these words, they are rightly understood as we see the preceding context of verse 8. And in verse 8, it says, The Lord shall judge the peoples. And David says, Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. And so it's within this context of God as the supreme judge that David makes his, his petition known. Remember the Apostle Peter's words, in 1 Peter 4.17, when he says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Beloved, David's prayer was in essence, Judge me first, my Lord. Declare my innocence and then turn your eye on the wicked. And the wickedness of the wicked that is so heinous before your eyes and specifically against me from Cush. 
Now, on the one hand, David's desire was that the malice of his enemies would stop. He wanted their wicked practices to end, either by God changing their hearts or by him bringing them down. Is this our prayer as well? It should be. And on the other hand, his desire was that God would uphold himself and and all others who are just and innocent of false accusations. And why does David request this? Look at the second half of verse 9. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. See, gloriously, wonderfully, how David knew and how we need to know and be reminded of the fact that God is the righteous God. (laughs) David knew God in his holy attributes and actions. And see that what David desired God would do in verses 3 and 4 of this psalm, he does. God examines. He tries the entirety of the inner man according to his perfect righteousness. We should desire no other judge. This is the perfect and the holy And the right standard of the righteous God, he judges all things in righteousness, even as he himself is righteous. It's interesting, the Hebrew words for minds literally means kidneys. Saying this is representing the the secret thoughts and and the motives of the mind. And so David paints this wonderful picture, doesn't he? That the righteous God tests and examines everyone to the very core. There is nothing hidden from his sight. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, we read, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But what does the Lord look at? The Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. In Revelation chapter 2, we also see wonderful words beginning in verse 21. Regarding Thyatira, We read, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. She did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. The Lord's will that is revealed in the Lord's word and seen in his actions is how the people would know, how the churches would know what, that he is the God who searches minds and hearts. 
Beloved, know that when God tests, when he searches, it is a perfect and thorough examination. God doesn't make mistakes. He is never wrong about what's there and what isn't. He doesn't miss anything. And this is wonderful. This is good. Like we've talked about before, it is, it, it is humbling. As, as David would say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Oh, the Lord would search him. That he would know his heart and his mind. All of his innermost being, the Lord would know and did. But that David would desire that of the living God. It's a wonderful thing. We all need to have such a desire, knowing that he examines and he tests in righteousness. There is nothing that he misses. He doesn't make mistakes. There are no errors. And as humbling as this is, and because of this level of examination being true of God, David was saying that God knew that that he didn't have a thought or a desire to do the things that Cush accused him of. This is one of the reasons why he's so bold in his words. He's he's proclaiming the attributes of God because he knows what's true about God and he welcomes the examination because he's confident of his innocence. Remember and look at verse 10. As he says, my defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. Literally, my defense is of God. In the Hebrew, it means my shield is upon God who saves the upright in heart. Again, David had confidence in God as his deliverer. He had confidence in God as his defender. And he had confidence in God as a salvation. And we wonderfully have all three, have confidence in all three of those titles and attributes and actions in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Do you know Jesus to be the same for you? Are you trusting in Christ for your salvation? Have you repented and bowed the knee to King Jesus? Do you know him to be your deliverer, defender, and savior? In Psalm 97, beginning in verse 10, we read there, You who love the Lord hate evil. And note, he preserves the soul of the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. This is what the Lord does for his people. This is what he does for the upright in heart. He he delivers us and he gives us light and he gives us gladness in our hearts for his salvation and his sovereign lordship. And in verse 12 it says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. And so there was... More. All of these things being true. 
There was more that David knew to be true of God and his judgment. Look back at Psalm 7 and verse 11. God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. God would protect David and will protect all believers as he is righteous and judges righteously all the time, every time. God is an advocate for the upright in heart and shows mercy to his people and shows his justice as he does so. And really, the exercise of God's justice includes other things besides doing good to his people. See here that it also includes his wrath. He expresses his wrath as he executes justice daily on the evildoer. Now, some of you may ask, is is God really angry with the wicked every day? I don't see it. Here the truth of Scripture answers and instructs and informs our hearts and our minds regarding such a question. This is the sad and tragic reality of the status of the wicked with the sovereign God and his anger toward them. They are sinners in the hands of an angry God, and as they aren't reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, as they haven't had their sins dealt with and punished by Christ on their behalf, they are truly at enmity with God. There is no safety. There is no refuge outside of Christ. But there is justice against sin outside of Christ. Paul speaks of God's righteous anger and judgment in Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, when he says, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. This is the reality for the wicked, as they are in the hands of an angry God. And so David finds comfort in the fact that he would be vindicated and the wicked would be punished. Where where the world fails, beloved, by flipping this on its head, vindicating the wicked and punishing the just, know that God never fails. It's always right side up in his mind. He is the righteous God, the righteous judge, who knows and does all things perfectly well. He is the divine warrior. He is the righteous judge. He is the just judge who vindicates and will ultimately vindicate the righteous. And he is the just judge who brings temporal and eternal punishment on the wicked. And so what would happen if Cush or Saul didn't turn back in repentance. Well, David speaks to this in verse 12. When he says, if he does not turn back, he, 
meaning God, will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Now, see a few things here from these verses. What do armies do in preparation for attack and battle? They get their weapons ready for immediate use. A lot of sword sharpening and bow bending. The arrows are in position and ready to fly. The Lord is prepared to execute his judgments promptly, here David says. And see how David paints the picture of a variety of weapons, all of which are threatening and effective for slaughter. The sword wounds and kills at close range in hand-to-hand combat. A bow and arrows wound and kill those at a distance who think they can escape the reach of God's justice. And yet, what do we read and know from Job chapter 20, beginning in verse 23? We read there, when he is about to fill his stomach, God will cast on him the fury of his wrath and will rain it on him while he is eating. And note verse 24, he will flee from the iron weapon. A bronze bow will pierce him through. They can run, but they will not escape. But see also that as God is preparing his instruments of death, he he gives sinners clear warning of their danger here, along with time to repent and prevent it. This metaphor accurately describes God's readiness against the impenitent. But David points out the reality that evildoers will go on to destroy themselves. They will go through great pains to do it as well. Look at verse 14. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. Beloved, David knew the sins. He he knew the lies of Cush well. He also knew how, how such sin is conceived and the fruit that it brings. David uses words regarding pregnancy here, giving a metaphor of Cush being great with evil, bringing evil out of his heart. The Apostle James describes this in the origin of sin. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, where he says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And yet, what does David say that the consequences of his own actions would be? Look at verse 15. He made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. My friend, sinful man labored long and hard to dig out that pit. You have to work hard to dig a pit. To dig a pit 
that's ready for the action that they desired and intended. And yet the evil intended for David backfired and fell upon him themselves. The plans of the wicked are foiled. And we see this with Saul, who plotted against David's life, but ended up being in danger of losing his own, right? In 1 Samuel chapter 14. But see then, as, as he considers all of this, and he considers the great justice of the great and righteous and just judge, the great God. David then closes his song, his prayer, with words of praise. Look at verse 17. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. See this. The righteous God examines and judges in righteousness and receives all the praise for it. David proclaims, this is the Lord. This is the living God. The deliverer, the defender, the savior, the judge. And in all of his actions, in every other, he deserves my wholehearted praise. David would give God the glory for the gracious protection that he provides his afflicted people, as well as for the just vengeance with which he will bring against and pursue against all that afflict them. And so as you leave tonight, take this with you. Take with you the truth and the reality that the righteous God makes thorough examination of hearts and minds according to his righteousness. And though on the one hand, beloved, that may seem like a fearful thing, it is a good thing. We should all desire it. We should all be like David with arms wide open and welcoming it, thanking and praising him for his righteousness. For he does all things well and he will judge and examine perfectly. As the sovereign just judge, he stands with and for his people. May we never forget that. And he executes divine justice against evil, against the wicked and their wickedness. He will bring the wickedness of the wicked to an end. And so therefore, you must sing to the praise of the Lord Most High, who when his enemies deal proudly, shows that he is above them all. Every single one of them. And further, David points you to the wonders of deliverance and salvation and just judgment, all of which leads you in praise to doxology, to praise and worship God forever. May we all take great comfort in God and his work for us and, and, and rise up and, and praise him for it to his glory.
for it all is due to him. And he is worthy. And he deserves every bit of it. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, how awesome and magnificent you are. O great and eternal God, we bow down before you in humility, thanking you that we belong to you through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your just judgment. You are the just judge, and we praise you for that. O Lord, may the truths and the comforts of this text resonate in our hearts tonight and this week and beyond, Lord. Let it sink deep, we pray. And let true praise flow from our hearts, out of our mouths, to you. For all that you are. For all that you have done. For all that you're doing and will do. We glorify your holy name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.